This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey everybody, it's Dale Jr. back again for another episode of the Dale Jr. Download with my co-host, Mike Davis. Hey buddy. Producer, editor, director, all those things. Matthew Dillner. <laughs> uh, we got a great show today, excited about it. Let's get to it. I'm Dale Hart Jr. And this is the Dale Jr. Download. The Exalta Dale Studio. Hart, all right, let's do this. Do this. Do this. Do this. Dale Hart Jr. The Exalta Studio. Dale Hart Jr. It's going to be a great show. i got a friend of mine coming in here in a bit that I'm excited for everybody to hear about and uh, excited to talk to. I haven't talked to him in a while, so this is going to be a lot of fun. buddy of mine from running around at the racetrack when we were kids, so we got a lot of great stories. Mm, um, we're going to have some Ask Junior here in a bit. Let's go ahead and talk, talk about Pocono. Man, there was a lot of things about yeah. Pocono. That, that I mean, to be honest with you, I, I don't even know where you want to start, but you had uh, Kyle Busch doing yep. some great things this weekend, and you had a really good race again, and you also had a really – Scary crash. Where do you want to start first? Yeah, let's just start uh, with the crash. Bubba Wallace uh, oh. lost the brakes. We see this time and time again at going into, going down into turn one. We talked about it on air during the race. My dad had the same issue in uh, 1982. We've seen it with Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, it's frightening. And that's a track where you use so much brake. And, and when they take the spoiler off the back of these cars and they take basically drag off the cars – I got to use more brake. You know, I downshifted early, and that would use engine braking to help slow the car down. And I did that because I was afraid of over overcooking the brakes. Uh huh. Um, and I'll, you know, so a lot. Of, but a lot of guys don't downshift that early. They downshift a little further down in the corner, and it's a little better on. It's a little. It's better for the motor that way. But it also forces you to use more brake. So that's a track where brakes can be a real problem. And and we've seen some vicious ones there, man. Yeah, so I mean, vicious. Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson. So, yeah. So Bubba crashing, that was uh, very scary. The way we cut to it, like it, it, it looked like he hit the wall at 250 miles an hour. After watching it after in replay, you can see him kind of jump through the grass and all that. Yeah, he's Dukes of Hazard. Knocked a little bit of speed out of the car, and it wasn't. Thankfully. Yeah, thankfully it wasn't, uh, wasn't as hard as it looked initially. Uh, just there was a little bit of time before Bubba dropped the net that had us very concerned. I could see him moving around in there, but as a as a broadcaster, you don't ever make any assumptions in a situation like that. You don't assume, oh, it looks like you know. You don't say it looks like this or that. The other, you don't. You can't do that in that situation. Right. You just lay out. You wait for him to drop the net. You wait for something to happen. It's a great uh, you know feeling to see him climb out of the car. Uh, obviously shaking up a little bit. He talked about his foot banging around in them in the in the shoebox down there where the pedals are. That's a real potentially dangerous situation for any guy that's going to hit wall really hard, especially when he's on the brake pedal. Is his foot slamming into the clutch of the gas pedal as he uh, hits the wall, and uh, very painful. And um, glad that he's you know he's probably sore today. We'll talk to him. I'll probably text him here in a bit. I'm sure he's getting tons of text messages. So Bubba, we're glad you're great. You're we're glad you're happy. You know you're out and you're safe, and you're going to race another day. Kyle Busch, uh, Daniel Suarez. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So Daniel Suarez gets the pole because of all the issues in qualifying or post-tech qualifying or post-qualifying tech. So, all, you know, we had 13 cars that failed and had to go to the back. All, you know, there was a big blow-up about that. Fans on social media mad or, or, you know, everybody negative this and that and the other. Here's, you know, everybody's got a solution. Listen, that whole thing worked as design. That's what's supposed to happen. Your car goes through tech, it either passes or it fails. If it fails, you go to the back. That all worked the way it's supposed to work, okay? So <laughs> we move on to the race, and I don't. It's not a big deal to me whether 
freaking 30 cars fail. Whatever, you know? It's tech. You pass, you fail. We go to the race. We go to the next part of the, the, race, the race weekend. Daniel Suarez sits on the pole. Great opportunity for Daniel. This is a possibility for him to have a career day. Well, he did. Runs second, almost wins he's the right race. There. Yeah, right there. He's right there. Did a great job. They had some issues that got him, lost a lot of track position at some point in the race, early in the race, and they worked all day to get all that back. He had great speed. Eric Jones had a great day. He's another guy that, since his win, has shown a ton of consistency yeah. and a little bump in speed. Those kind of those first wins will do that. Those first wins will give you that confidence as a driver and give the team the morale. And you just move up. You just start running better. It's a weird deal. Confidence. There's no real answer to why, but yeah, confidence, morale, those things can really make a difference in performance. When you you know you think it's parts and pieces, you think it's engineering. Sometimes it's just attitude. We're seeing that out of Jones. Also, another thing, maybe it's not a big deal to a lot of people, but I think it's a big deal. Ryan Newman, two top tens in a row here. Yeah, that's right, actually that's, a good point. I didn't think I, of that. Well, I didn't either. you know, it wouldn't really be that big of a deal if he kind of lucked into it. But And he might have done that last week in New Hampshire with some pit strategy. But this particular weekend, I was watching. They drew me, my attention to this. The 31 and the 3 had more speed this weekend. Mm-hmm. All right? The 3, if, had, if he had pit, you know, passed Tech, would have started in the top 10. He had a good qualifying run. He had decent speed in practice. Austin Dillon. We saw HMS cars have more speed, too. At one point in the race, they were all legitimately running in the top ten. Yeah. Um, so Chevrolet had a little bit of a boost in performance, or yeah. we're seeing a little bit more speed out of those guys. Bowman, and I mean, how about that? Bowman, I mean, a yeah. top, best career Motors, finish. Hendrick or? Motorsports was there. You, you noticed them. The Childress guys, you bring up a good point. I mean, I know like last week you made a point. Hey, let's not get carried away. Chevrolet's got a long, long way to go. they still got to yeah. But that's two weeks in a row. We've noticed them at the front, yeah. up towards the front. Look, I mean, I'm, I'm born in a Chevy family. I want yep. nothing but Chevy success. But you got to call it straight. It's yep. been a tough year, but we're seeing some. We're seeing some gains in this Camaro. We've heard the talk from some of the Chevy camp that they're way down on downforce. They're way down on the on the numbers. Uh, Andy Petrie is talking about how the Chevy teams need to get together and yeah. work together to make that ground up. Well, we're start. I don't know whether they're working together, but they're starting to show some improvements as a whole. So that was good to see. And the, other, the reason why I bring that up about Ryan Newman is because Ryan Newman is less than 100 points out of the playoffs. You know, there's enough races left for him to yeah. make a charge. I mean, if he can keep this kind of performance up and, and sneak into those top tens and uh, every once in a while legitimately get in the top ten like he did this weekend, you know, he could work his way into that battle. And that's that's what we want to have is mm-hmm. is storylines and – you know, we talk about the big three. Everybody's sick of hearing about those guys, but they keep winning. As long as they're winning, we're going to talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing we're going to talk about is the bubble. And the bubble right now is is uh, Jimmy Johnson, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and everybody else. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Newman's working his way into that conversation. So I'm going to keep a, keep an eye on Ryan Newman because he's the kind of guy that does that. He slides on in You're there. You're absolutely right he does. He I sneaks mean, up in there in the, under the radar. He ended up in the final four, uh, you know. Three years ago. Yeah, and, a couple and years and ago. Almost, and, and almost like, had it. Wait, and, his, and he, nobody he can tell notice. you how. <laughs> 100%. Right. That's right. That's how Newman does it. So that's that's uh, the last thing we're going to talk about with Pocono is Jimmy Johnson's 600 starts. Yeah. I was trying to think, you know, when somebody told me, I think when I actually got to my 600 start, I was like, that don't sound like a lot. Uh, you know, it don't feel like a lot. I don't know how to, uh, how can I uh, articulate it to where, you know, you or make it relative to something that you would go, oh, wow, yeah, that is a lot. So, because in racing, what is 600 starts? I don't know. So, yeah, what do you compare that to, right? Yeah. So, we did a little numbers crutching. I got my stats, guys. Tom Brady has started around roughly 290 football games. So, Tom Brady was 40 years old, one of the best players in the game, comparable to Jimmy in, in performance and talent. 
has 290-ish football games. Jimmy, 600 races. So that, to me, I think shows you how much racing Jimmy has done, how long he's been in the sport. I think that's a good way to compare it. The other thing about Jimmy is he's influenced my life. You know, we talk about Jimmy's stats, his championships, but we also uh, talk about how great a guy he is. He got me into social media, and I don't and I joke about that, but it's sure it's true. He's he 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 literally pestered me for two years <laughs> about, hey man, I know you as a person, and I know you're gonna like this. Please try this. And he said the same thing about cycling. And Jimmy's that kind of guy. He's not that kind of guy just to me. He's like that to everyone. Yeah. He thinks about other people. When he sees something that he enjoys, he thinks about who else might enjoy that. Yeah. And then he calls them or texts them and says, hey, I thought about you. This is why. And he's politely persistent. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, not that, annoyingly persistent, but politely persistent. That, to me, is an amazing person. Yeah. One that thinks of others and and, um, and stays in, you know, tries to influence their lives for the better. So I appreciate Jimmy for that. I got a quick question on Jimmy. Yep. For both of you guys. Yeah. You, you guys know the racing history better than I do. What What is comparable to Jimmy Johnson's 600th start being with the same team, same sponsor, same oh, crew chief? Is there anybody else that you can compare Tom, that to? I'd say Tom Brady. You know, he's been with the Patriots. He's been with Belichick. In 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 all uh, sports, but, yeah, yeah. But what about in racing? You can't in even compare racing? that to the king because you know the king had that you know uh, you know him and Emmons split there. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, people I, would obviously think king, but yeah, king had different crew chiefs. King uh-huh. drove, king drove for different different manufacturers. Yep. King drove for different teams. He left yes, and went. That's went, right. Yeah, in '84, he drove for uh, Curb. Oh, Curb, Mike Curb. So. It, Maybe Jimmy is the only one that's done I that. I think, it, but just you know, you just look at that, and I was thinking about it yesterday because there was all of a sudden that social media little blast right before the race of, oh, congratulations, Jimmy yeah. Johnson, six hundred starts, right. and you're like, yeah, whatever. You see that every year. There's somebody that runs their so whatever hundredth race, but then you look at the eighty three wins and that six hundred starts, and you realize, like, I'm not a math guy. I freaking hate math. And then I looked at that yesterday. I'm like, man, that's like one win every, I don't know what it was, 7.5 starts or something stupid like that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, when Jimmy came into the Cup Series, I'll tell you a little Jimmy story. Jimmy's going to run his first Xfinity race. He's driving the Kingsford Charcoal's car at St. Louis. Gateway. Yeah. And he comes up to me. He's like, hey. He calls me. He's like, hey, man, um, people are telling me I need to buy a bus. Do I need to buy a bus? (laughs) I'm like, Jimmy, yeah, I'd wait a little while. On buying a bus. Maybe he ran a bus for a little bit. Once you get some, you know, and I'm telling this to Jimmy Johnson, but this is Jimmy trying to start a career. He doesn't have full-time ride. I'm like, maybe once you get the full-time ride, I'd then, I'd, then I'd buy the bus. Yeah, he's yeah. coming in with his ASA yeah. people with Herzog, yeah. yeah, at the time. So um, we've been friends that long. So we we would sit on the boat in Lake Norman, and I we would talk about being teammates um, when, he, when I was at DEI and he was at HMS. You always want to be teammates with your friends. <laughs> you know, you always, even when you're great where you are, you always look and go, man, it'd be cool if we were teammates. Yeah. You always do that. And uh, so, it, and, and we talked earlier on another show when I busted my head open on that at that party at yeah. Ricky's house. Who drove me to the hospital? Who drove me to the doctor? Yep. Three o'clock in the morning. That's friends. Yeah. Good guy. Appreciate you, Jimmy. 600 starts, man. Congrats on that. Let's go to Ask Junior. Let's do it. It's time for Ask Junior. I got a question. You have a question for me? Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskJunior. All right, uh, some really good questions this week. Last week we had those video questions, but this week using the hashtag AskJunior on Twitter. Uh, let's start out with uh, Michelle Riston. Uh, during practice, when you were broadcasting from the turn, she asked, I guess she listens to the podcast because she remembers this, 
being so close to the track, did I, you have any signs of the, the concussion oh. symptoms that you felt at Martinsville when you were that close to the racetrack? Yeah, right? great yeah. question. I didn't. I had a little bit of an I had a little bit of that in the booth on Sunday when I looked I was standing we're pretty close to the track. Yeah, I didn't have any there at that practice, which is strange. Mm-hmm. You'd think I would, considering how I felt at Martinsville, but during the race we had this very limited view and so you can only see the cars go by in about a you know, a very s- small window. And so watching that was kind of weird, but I think that would make anybody feel funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't. I haven't had any issues all all season since that little episode in Martinsville, and I'm glad. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm I don't I don't like having any kind of issue, even uh even normal things that people do that make you dizzy, even things that make yeah. you dizzy, oh, yeah. Matthew. Are you dizzy? When it happens to me, I go, oh, what what was that? Yeah. Um, but everything's been good. What was it like being in the corner like that? Because that's where I used to earn my bread and butter. Yeah. You know, in the corner corners there. I sat and, uh, yeah, we climbed up there. The scaffold that I got on top of, I think, has been there since the track started. I'm not saying that in a joking <laughs> manner. I, I'm serious. It's been there a very long time. You could see the old boilerplate wall that was the original wall in the that 70, was cool. 79, 80s. Took a picture of that. Yeah. I did it yeah. on Instagram, yeah. And then there's, like, dirt between that and the, the concrete wall that they put in. And then there's... You know, the safer barrier they added eventually. It's kind of like seeing the rings of a tree. Chronological order, yeah. (laughs) It's really, it's just like that. And watching the cars go through the bump in the tunnel and seeing how that upset them on exit was pretty pretty fun. You had a very good vantage point. It was was great. I enjoyed it. Um, And and the reason why they put me out there was to give me a sense of what I'm going to be doing this weekend in Watkins Glen. In Watkins Glen, they're going to put me in the chicane or the bus stop. Oh, oh, really? Great. Yeah, so we're doing a radio-style broadcast. So in the booth will be Rick Allen and uh, Latarte, and then uh, Bagley and me and Jeff Burton will be out on the racetrack. Yep. And they're going to put me in the bus stop, so You're I'll be able that to call That is that incredible. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So that was the reason why they thought to put me in the tunnel turn was to give me a little experience of watching the cars from a particular yeah. part of the racetrack and getting a kind of a groove of being I can't wait. Uh, Sean Gebbia wants to know, uh, he said he recently saw the footage of you uh, back when Steve Park had that flip at Pocono. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you running to Steve Park's car after the wreck. He wants to know, can you remember what was going through your mind in that time from when Steve Park finished his flip and, and you ran to him? I ran over the car and there was fuel and fluids and stuff leaking out of it. So, uh, you know, I just wanted Steve to get out of the car as fast as he could to, uh, to you know, before the car was, to, you know, there was be any fire or anything like that. Um, I think that the ground was wet, so we were we were you know we weren't gonna have a fire as long as that was that was the case. But anytime there's fluid pouring out of the car, you wanna because his car's on its side, and I think the fuel's coming out of it. There's also a bit of a you know it's disorienting for anyone inside of a cockpit to be trying to get out of it when it's not upright. Yeah. And so I you know I was thinking, hell, you know, what can I do to help him figure out a way to get out? And because uh, you got to come around the headrests and all that stuff, we had we had these, you know, we had all kinds of stuff in those cars that day that was a little unconventional to be able to climb out of the car that way. And also, the car was would easily topple over. Maybe if him with him in there moving around in the cockpit trying to come out of it, it could roll over on its roof or something. So I was just trying to help him get out. I remember when the car was flipping, watching it, it was like slow motion because I was sliding backwards and he's flipping. I remember him hitting the wall and going up in there, and it was like a bar of soap coming out of your hand. It was like, shoo, up in the The wall just pushed it up in the air because the wall was like a spring, and it launched the car and uh, the guardrail. And I remember it flipping real slow motion. All right, we're talking about Pocono and Rex, so let's uh, give one more on that. Uh, you know, looking at Bubba's wreck, uh, Jeff, who's Haley's daddy, that's his uh, tag there, uh, says, when you know you're going to hit the wall like that, 
do you do you ever scream or been like ah? No, you don't scream. Um, the only time that I've ever been in the that situation. So when you have a failure and mm-hmm. there's been some kind of failure on the car where you're either out of control, you don't have control of the steering, or you don't have any brakes, and so you're flying into the wall and you know you're going to hit it, but you have enough time to think about it. So normally in wrecks, you get hit. And and it's and, and the hitting just starts, you know. You don't have time to think about oh, I'm about to hit this and this is gonna hurt. Normally in wrecks, the, the hits fast. happen before yeah. it even it's you know fast. you get a chance to think about it. But in that rare situation that Bubba described, where something breaks and you got time to think, like you're heading toward this wall at 180 mile an hour and you're gonna ha- hammer that damn thing, you don't know what the result's gonna be. And it, you do think about like your own your own you know your ability to survive it. Are you going to survive it? Are you going to die? Are you going to be injured? You know, you think about all those things. You would be surprised what all you can cover in a mere uh, you know, couple seconds. Bubba definitely had time to think about that because watching that replay in real time, real time, not slow-mo, but in real time is horrifying. Mm-hmm. Even the third and fourth and fifth yeah. times you see it yep. because of how much time he has to think yeah. before he hits that wall. Remind me of Jimmy Johnson so at fast. the Glen there where he had time to think of it. And I remember him telling us that I was we were one of the first people to get uh, to interview him after that. And he was like, man, I just looked up and I saw that styrofoam at Watkins Glen and I thought it was the white concrete. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> scary. Yeah. So you think about that. You think about – I don't know if every driver thinks about losing their life, but you potentially think about, you know, being injured or, yeah. you know, just, God, I hope I survive this. Yeah. There's some relief. I think that's where, I think that's where the joke that he tells about, you know, they gave me a <laughs> ultrasound and I don't have twins. I mean, you're, you're, you're almost in a relief, yeah, right. jovial mood because right. nothing, you know, it's all, I'm all in one piece. Okay. Right. You know, holy cow. It's probably the only time when a driver will ever admit to being scared because there's no way you can dodge. There's no way you're going to fool anybody that you didn't get scared there. All right, Aaron Bratton wants to know, uh, what's your most prized possession out of your retro NASCAR memorabilia? Oh, gosh. Because, I mean, last week we we had Connie in here. It's hard to pick. It really is hard to pick my favorite piece, but I have some old autograph books that I've bought either on eBay or I've acquired that's that like someone who was a fan went to the race and purposely sought out as many drivers as possible and got autographs and filled these books up. And I'm talking legends, not just stock car legends, AJ Foyt, Mario Andretti, and uh, all these different guys from different motorsports disciplines. Uh, I have their autographs, and these are like autographs from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I have a Ralph Earnhardt autograph. Yeah, so those things, I, I never really, an autograph today almost doesn't have any value to me. So commonplace now. It is. But will it be 50 years from now? <sighs> That's a good is question. Is it going to be that simple just to walk around the corner and, and grab, a, you know, grab a Jimmy Johnson autograph off the table? That's a great question. Are you going to wish? The difference is you can't buy them. Are you going to wish 50 Couldn't. years from now that? Freaking a! I, w- I, had, I had so many opportunities to have get Jimmy's autograph. I'm just using Jimmy as an example. It's F- true. Fifty years from now, you're gonna go shit. Why don't I have a Jimmy autograph? I'd love to have that in my collection. You bring up a good point. Yeah. My wife tells me all the time, you know, because I collect le- retro stuff like yeah. like you do and stuff, and and she's like, why don't you have stuff of the last 
20 years of your career. Right. I'm like, because it's not cool. It's not cool. It's not cool. Yeah, it's and she's like, think about your kid. You know, your kid's going to want like a yeah. Dale Earnhardt Jr. thing or a, or Jimmy Johnson thing yeah. or a Jeff Gordon thing. I'm like, ah, it's just, you know, it's They will. And, and it will, but you'll, we'll all regret, you know, not collecting <laughs> modern, in, you know, modern, you know, autographs and memorabilia like we do the retro stuff. We'll be we'll be eBaying the shit out of Jimmy Johnson autographs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get that old Jimmy Johnson yeah. autograph. <laughs> I have material thing. Oh, okay. I I do have the answer. I'm glad I, I'm glad I stuck around on this one. All right. The autographs are cool. The number one, my number one favorite piece of memorabilia that I have. I have the uniform my dad wore in his first Cup win. Mm. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Let me tell a story. I, I think I've told that story. I'll tell it again because we always have a new audience. But we're cleaning out this storage unit. 80% of the stuff in this storage unit is junk. So we're cleaning it out, right? So a lot of junk. And we've got this flatbed dump truck that we're throwing everything in the back of. And, I mean, we're just, you know, trash bag here, piece of furniture here, old frame picture, and all just crap. You know, that I just – I'm a hoarder. In a storage unit, if you give me a storage unit, <laughs> filling it up because I won't, I won't throw away nothing. Yeah, I threw this trash bag in there, and a few minutes goes by, and half hour goes by. A buddy of mine is helping me. He jumps up in the back of his truck. He's like, "Man, God, look at all this stuff you're throwing away. I got I'm gonna rummage. Through. He's rummaging through the trash, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're wasting time. All that crap. We're gonna get rid of it." And he opens up this trash bag, and in it's a driver's suit. Who's in a trash bag? No. And he's like, "Hey, dude, there's a driver's suit in this bag." I'm like, really? I didn't even look in it. And he pulls it out, and it's that uniform. It's like the holy grail of uniforms. I mean, if Dale Earnhardt arguably is the greatest race car driver that's ever been in a Cup Series, his first win uniform Mm. has to be right there. Yeah. The top uniform. Yeah. That's like Hall to, of Fame stuff. To yeah. be it's collected, like, right? It's, it's yeah. a so, step below a Hannes Wagner car yes. or something. Yes. Right? Yes. right. Yeah. yes. So here I have this uniform. I Well, I didn't know exactly what it was. I knew I knew what era it was from. You could obviously look at it and say, this is 79, 80, mm-hmm. only one of those two years. So I get home. I got tons of pictures of his wins and him standing around the garage and the pits. So I start looking for this uniform, and it's got the patches and his – his patches were all different on each uniform in different places even. Yeah. So there's no doubt when you look at the picture of him in Victor Lane at Bristol in 79 for his first win that he's wearing this uniform. That's incredible. And the funny thing is, is he wore it in 1980 also. So he wore it in 79 oh, and 80. I got so you. he didn't only win his first race in that uniform, yeah, but okay. he continued to wear it. Yeah. Maybe won in it again. I've yet to even look at the rest of the wins in the, in the Victor Lane photos to see if he's wore this suit in other races or other wins in 1979-1980. Other neat thing about that uniform is if you look at his uniform from 1981, it's all yellow, but the he has blue up here on top, mm-hmm. all right, on his shoulders and it comes down in a V shape on both sides, okay? And a little small V and it's blue. Mm-hmm. And that's the only change from his uniform from 1980 to 81. Well, on this 1979 race win uniform, there's ink pen where they drew on the uniform as if they're saying hey for next year's uniform we're going to bring the blue down here and make it like that <laughs> so they drew on this uniform like hey guys all right for 81 we're going to we're going to change this and change that isn't that crazy it is yes. not not like drawing it on a piece of paper that if i <laughs> right yeah. you know, right right no, let's just bring the uniform out right <laughs> get the Get well, a sharpie. It was, it was, we ain't gonna let's just do that with one. your uh, the Exalta uniform. You know, the last one you wore. You know, what, what's next? You know? This goes back to our whole thing. 
when these guys had this uniform in 1981, it wasn't that wasn't no. a value to they them. They put it in a plastic bag. It was modern memorabilia, <laughs> worthless. Yeah, yeah, actually, good point. But now, today, it's the most critical piece of <laughs> yeah. memorabilia that could be in Dale Earnhardt's legacy. Yeah. And to them, then it was just yeah. old uniform. We're gonna use. We're gonna we're gonna draw on it, toss it aside. It's crazy. Somebody hand me that and said, "Hey, I got one of your dad's uniforms here," and I threw it up in a storage unit, and then I almost threw it away. Mm. All right, Jimmy Cipriani comes in with this question: uh, When you were a kid growing up, Dale, uh, at your dad's races. Were there any driver's kids that you really ran around the garage with? Absolutely. I had um, – there was a lot of dads, whether they were drivers, crew chiefs, or whatever, that um, bring their kids to the racetrack. I was begging dad to go every chance. And um, there was – so Bob Whitcomb that owned the Pure Later 10 car that Derek Cope won the Daytona 500 with in 1990. His son, uh, Mike Whitcomb – would come to the track. We'd hang out a little bit. Um, Mike is in Charlotte now. He owns some uh, Jersey Mike Jersey Mike yeah. subs. <laughs> Whoa, that's Jersey Mike? No, it's, it's not. No. It's he not owns a Jersey, Jersey Mike. Yeah. yeah just He's a franchise owner. Yeah, okay. franchise owner. That was big. That'd you be kids, cool. y'all yeah. made success of yourselves. Yeah. I mean, y'all were a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and Doug William, who was a crew chief for various teams, he originally worked with Bud Moore when Dad was there in the 80s. His son, Scotty. And I, we, we, we hung out quite a bit. We raced go-karts a little bit or just played with our go-karts, really. We didn't race, uh, like, organized racing, but. We weren't allowed to right, yeah. at that time. And, uh, well, you hear that voice right there, and that's one of them. Yeah. For the people listening to the podcast. Let's, this let's is, bring um, him in. This is Brad Means, Jimmy Means' son. Me and Brad were probably, out of all the kids or people that came to the racetrack, I spent most time with Brad. <clears throat> Brad would do the same. Brad was pretty much like me, begging his dad to go to the race every chance he get. He would go to every race. He, he would go to probably a little bit more races than I would. So when you get a chance to go, you know, whether you're 12, whether we were 15, as soon as you get to NASCAR registration, sign in, have your pass in your hand, and your dad, his mind's like race car going to do race car wherever <laughs> I got I got somewhere I got to be I plan his day is planned as soon as we get our pass in our hand me and him like sought each other out I'd I'd, I'd be over in his holler Brad over here Brad over here and and you know he'd, go be, to his, he'd yeah. be at mine we'd find each other immediately and we'd spend the rest of the weekend together and we did all kinds of stuff we were at either we might go if there was a go-kart track nearby that's paid to ride or something we may go over there a lot of times we would wander around in other people's hollers Oh, for sure. Like, we own the places. Yep. <laughs> Just go in there. Like, the coolest thing is, as a kid, you know, going in, I would walk straight in the three-trailer, Dale yeah. Earnhardt, you know, the biggest icon in our sport, and just walk straight to the lounge, RC, whoever's in there is like, look, Junior here? Yeah. He's not here <laughs> yet. I don't know where he's at. All right, I'm, I'm out. Yep. It's like I owned it. You know, it's awesome as a, as a kid because it was a lot different environment back then. About how old are you guys? I mean, I know this is over the span of many years, it but was. I'm saying, you know, when did you guys start becoming buddies at the racetrack? Uh, I, I, I first met uh, Junior when I was 12 You're at 12. Uh, Riverside. Okay. In, uh, 1988. Oh, so you remember the time you met Dale Jr. I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and, and why do you remember that? Why is that so memorable? Because I don't think, like, you know, at, at that age, a lot less media than at this time, you know, as far as, as a lot smaller bubble. It's like uh, my dad tells me that uh, 
Dell Sr. has a son. He's like, he'd like to meet you, which is crazy because, like, I didn't know that how big a fan Junior was of my father. So that was, like, really cool for me that my opposite hero, not opposite, but my hero other than my father was Dale, right? So it's really cool that you can kind of come together that way. So we sought each other out at Riverside the first time I'd ever been to California. It's a lot different experience than it is now, of course. <laughs> yeah. but, so we spent, like, the, that entire weekend together hanging out, staying out of the way. The biggest thing was staying out of the way. That's all we could do our, our own thing was stay out of the way, not cause trouble for our dads doing their job, right? Yeah. So. As long as we didn't hurt ourselves, we were good. And I'll never forget that weekend, I got your dad's phone number. You wrote it down on a piece of paper, and it was from the Beverly Hills Hotel. And you gave it to me. And we had the same red-eye flight to go back home, which is a lot different than, than today yeah. as well, you know. So uh, we were in coach. You guys were in first class. Uh, yeah, which, first I mean, class hey, house. you know. And uh, Kelly was going to swap <laughs> with me and sit with my dad, so I'd go and sit with you. But we never made it. We fell asleep. So that was it. You know, was like, <laughs> Junior fell asleep on a flight. No, I, I don't did. believe like, that at all. Oh, we both did. Yeah, you know, I got gotcha. you. But that's how that's how it started. So every weekend after that, we'd go, we'd seek each other out in the other groups. Like he talked about, all the other kids were like a little pack running around. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I remember going to. I'm I'm a real big fan of underdogs. Mm-hmm. Any sport, you know, when it comes to March Madness, whatever it is, I'm the I'm like man, you know, Cinderella story, underdog. And that was Jimmy. Jimmy was an independent. I didn't know much about him other than I knew his car. I'd you know followed racing for a while, and I knew Jimmy's sort of story a little bit, and how you know how he uh, I recognized his car right away through any of the years in in, in his uh, career. But it's probably 1986, maybe or somewhere around then, 85. Um, we were at North Wilsboro Speedway, and back then they didn't they they just kind of parked you wherever and. Dad's down on the end in turn one, and next to him is Jimmy's car. And I said to Dad, I said, I know that car. I like I like that guy. And uh, he's like, you want to meet him? I said, yeah. And this was a really rare moment where Dad had a few seconds that mm. we were having a conversation at the racetrack mm. when I was, you know, well, yeah. 10 years old. Typically, he's like, all right, we're at the track. You sit here. Don't move. I'm going to be practicing <laughs> in and out all day. Do not leave this hauler. You stay right here. And that was that. You know, you stuck close and stayed out of the way like Brad said. But he was, it was a little bit of downtime. So he walks me over a few feet, and there's Jimmy. Introduced me to Jimmy. I was like, wow, yeah. I met yeah. Smut Means. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Means. So that was it. That was I was Jimmy Means fan solid from there on out i followed jimmy his whole career even today and um yeah so dad and jimmy got to talking and thought it'd be inter- uh, cool to introduce us to and so i think just shortly after that maybe a year or two later you know we so, yeah. were at riverside and hung out and so during uh, i remember one time during talladega race the race is going on and we would stand around in the garage and wait for the cars to come in that were fall out of the race and we'd mm-hmm. just look at them you know whether they were wrecked or not but, man, as soon as a car came in the garage that was out of the race, we were, like, all over it. Like know? vultures. Yeah, yeah, just like, ooh, look, you know, whoa, it's, look how it's hot, you know, and, and it's all smoky and bent. And, um, and we just couldn't get enough. I mean, we were running from one end of the freaking track to the other all over the property. We were in the souvenir rigs. Drivers lounges. Drivers lounges. <laughs> the dri- the drivers had drivers lounges back then that they used. This is like a building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. With, oh, yeah. Uh, not the uh, not, not the, the lounge. Hauler hauler. Lounge. No. There was a dedicated room in the garage. Oh. You know, probably wherever the gas pumps were, or something like that. Where Difficult. the drivers had a lounge that they yeah. could go into. Okay. 
and we'd sit in the lounge. Like it was ours. Like <clears throat> they had AC and showers for the drivers. Watching you know what I'm TV saying? Really? And all that. Yeah. We were just in there goofing off. We would uh, the drivers would come in. And they you know knew, knew who, who we yeah. were and they talked crap to us and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we would go into the media center. You know, the every driver had their own folder of. Oh yeah. You know, here's his stats. Press up. Here's press a seal. sticker and and a postcard and. Everybody had their own. Some were way more robust than others. And we would go into the media center and be like, yeah, yeah, You're buddy. Like, and we'd walk out put with them in your all pocket. of them. And we'd, <laughs> we'd go and lay them all out and take out the things we wanted and postcards and whatever. I, we, every week we would get the same thing. The same and Jimmy thing. Means one yeah. was like this? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, Every week we would go get the same thing. Right. We would get press kits. We'd get the starting lineup. And, I mean, the media's in there trying to Do use all jobs. that stuff. Do their job. we're right. in there just, ah, ah, give me, give me, give me. And um, we would – like at Talladega, we'd go wander over to the dirt track at night and watch dirt track races. And wow, I don't know why our what our dads were doing or where they were. I don't. They weren't with us. We were just we were not hurting ourselves. That no. was the biggest thing. Staying out of their way. He yeah. said, as long as you stayed out but of their way, you were fine. Think about it. They, we didn't have cell phones and stuff like that. Yeah, right. So for our dads to just like trust us to just choo choo, you know, wander <laughs> off. So to be a parent now and think about that. Yeah, I can't fathom that for my uh-uh. kids. Like, all right. I'm it's not going to so see you for like right? 12 hours. Yeah. Just take right. care of yourself, right? Yeah, yeah at a racetrack. At a racetrack. No you know, stay suspect. away from traffic. There's no <laughs> suspect people at a racetrack. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Dad, we're going to go over to this dirt, dirt, you know, go-kart track on uh, you know, 15 minutes away and ride go-karts. <laughs> don't, don't know how we're don't getting Don't worry about there. how we get there and all <laughs> that. <laughs> so, how'd you get, so how would you get there? I mean, we, they're, they're, they're we, out like, there on the side we, of Talladega Boulevard. We'd find somebody that would take us. or There would always be like a like a – a racetrack mom or something that would come like for like with my dad's team that bring food. Yeah. My dad always fortunate people have people come help like volunteer help wow. from all over the country. And typically like one of those people would take us cause they were like, yeah. keep us out of the way, you know? So that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And I think one of Mike Wickham may have got his license first. So he ended up driving us a few times because they would always yeah. have a rental and he'd steal his dad's rental and we'd, you know, not steal, but he would take his dad's rental and t- we'd go. Did, so you said around. as long as y'all stayed out of your dad's hair, you were fine, which I believe that, knowing yeah. but you know, knowing what I know of both your dads. Do you recall ever a time when that didn't happen, like you actually caused some trouble oh. or whatever, uh, and, and you had yeah. to get your dads involved? Well, the only the only thing I remember, like from a trouble-wise, which was like we didn't know we did it until after. Like we were at Richmond one time, and we are in my dad's uh, tractor. He had a uh, cab over. his blue Alka-Seltzer uh, yeah, tractor I remember and uh we were it's a rain delay at richmond right so we were in the the sleeper of the truck because it's raining we can't be we can't play in the rain yeah. it's wait it's way too wet right so we're staying out of the way which is like trying to cage animals in such a small room because mm-hmm. it's like we're going nuts right so we're listening to radio i think like def leopard i think we played def leopard <laughs> hysteria like for 12 hours straight in the rain right <laughs> so we're like you know telling stories and like dreaming about driving race cars and doing the things that you, you know kids do in our position as driver's kids, you know, so that's what we're doing. That's every weekend we did that. So we're talking about, would you run this car where you want to race at? And those things and just telling stories about everything. So we're sitting there listening to music all day long. I can't remember if the race rained out or if we even ran a race that day. I can't remember at all. But I do remember that we just turned the radio down. We didn't turn it off. So we leave. And my dad's truck driver at the time, who did everything for my dad, he did like he was the guy, right? His name was Hippie, mm-hmm. awesome guy. I didn't know his name for like twelve years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's by Hippie, Real right? Name. Yeah. So uh, 
he goes to leave the track and the, the tractor won't start because we killed all the batteries. So yeah. uh, <laughs> that's probably the only time that I ever got in trouble. Ran it out listening I, to Def Leppard. <laughs> I, I don't know if you were there for this, but on one time we were at Michigan and we climbed up on top of the hauler of the Pure Later. Oh, I was hauler. beside you. You were. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. So we climb up on top of the hauler for the uh, of the 10 Pure Later car and I knocked the freaking laptop off the top of the son of a bitch and busted it. Hit the I mean, ground. like... Yeah, like, no. yeah, it was. There's, there's definitely a lot of silence right Knowing there. Knowing what I know now, I feel even worse about yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> because then you know they didn't. They were like, you could tell it was disappointment on their face, but they didn't say get the f no, out of uh, here. You don't, you know, y'all get off this holler and get out of here. You get in the way or anything like that. They were just like, what team is that? Uh, the ten. The uh, team, Derek team, Derek Bob Wickham owned it. I, I think you. it was Steve. Was it Steve Peterson? I think that's who it was. Really? Yeah, that was Holy his laptop. Crap. Yeah. Wow. What was it? What's the story with Steve Peterson? Well, Steve Peterson was in, was an official in NASCAR up until oh. I don't know, 2010 or yeah. so. But it was like, I mean, it was like because there were no laptops back then, right? Yeah. It was not like it is today. That was like it was huge. Today, you have stuff yeah. backed right. up on servers yeah, no, and stuff like, like that. Still, it'd be <laughs> just as pissed off, <laughs> yeah. not more. So you busted the. There l- weren't many laptops around back then. No, not at all. So that was like they were sort of in, that was sort innovative, of some innovative stuff for them to be up there with laptops and all that. I wonder how that information gets relayed back to your dads. Like, do the, does the pre team go doesn't. talk to? That probably doesn't. They probably just internally they they, they, My dad would have. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. My dad would have pulled the belt off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right there in the garage. No, <laughs> he would have just. I'd have known he'd have found out because he'd have. You'd have felt it. Yeah, for sure. You'd have felt it. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. My dad would be. Shame. Right. It no. would be um, worth Our dads that. both had to would get the belt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I'm fascinated. I always have been about Dale Jr.'s always pulling for the underdog. And and that's, you know, hoping underdogs win, that's not too unnatural. But you usually wait till the underdog is, like, contending for a race win or, or whatever. You know, in the Olympics, you got somebody contending well, or whatever. But Dale Jr. knew of Jimmy Means before anything, and, and he was fascinated by the underdog, right? Yeah. I, where did that come from? I don't really know. Um, I don't really know. It might have been. It might have came from Jimmy going to that race in North Willsboro. I had. I didn't. I wasn't like I met other drivers. I didn't know any other drivers. Never really met anybody in the sport at that point. And so Jimmy just happened to be the car next to Dad. And he's. I, Dad said, "Hey, you want to meet the guy that drives this car?" Yeah, that's cool. And I was like, "Yeah, I do. I, I okay. You know, whatever you want. Da- whatever you say, Daddy." Yeah. And. <laughs> And so that was all it takes, you know. You, it's just like if you're a kid and somebody takes you to a baseball game and you've never been to a baseball game and you're like, cool, whoever wins is my favorite team now. Yeah. You know? and, and if you happen to meet a player or something yeah, like that, they're your right favorite now. player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Fan for life. And yeah. Jimmy, yep. Jimmy, uh, D- Jimmy did play the underdog role and the independent role his whole career, but there was one race at Richmond in 87 – that, you know, they just hit on it and had a good enough car to drive up there and take the lead, and uh, he passed Dad for the lead and led a handful of laps and finished seventh. Uh, seventh or ninth, I think. Yeah. And back then, that race wasn't even on TV. Yeah. It yeah. was it was taped, but it yeah, was on the radio. Can't. So yeah. it's like, just go back and we watched it at your house, right? Yeah. To go back and watch it, it's just awesome because you remember listening to MRN and hearing it, you know. We are hearing it on MRN going, wow, Jimmy's running this good. This is incredible. Oh, he passed for the lead. Wow, what the heck, you know. And yeah. we can't see it. It's driving us crazy. Uh, one other thing that I remember that was uh, that was really difficult, me in, in 86, I believe, or 85, they built the condos in Term 1 at um, Charlotte. And so I'm in the condo. Brad's in the condo, That's man. Right. <laughs> and, hey, Brad, you know, I got the perfect place to watch Walter. the race today. That was our other thing, seeking out 
the best, best place, place to watch a race. To watch the race. That oh. was one thing we did like on Friday or Saturday. All right, man, we were going we got to find out where we were going to watch this thing. Yeah. <laughs> and not so, in the way. Also, so, you know what yeah. I mean? And we would find like these neat little niches and perches and where no one else was, you know. Mm-hmm. Where that's great, man. Here, this is going to be our spot. I saw him down in the garage or something. I'm like, man, we're going to watch it in the suite. It's all good. It's going to be cool. And anyways, this was uh, right around when uh, Tim Richmond was getting sick. And so Tim Richmond has uh, AIDS, HIV. And so, uh, but nobody really knows at this particular point. Jimmy's going to drive a car. You know, I don't know exactly how that came about, but. uh, I don't don't really know exactly how that far as he he got the opportunity to. But I think, you know, he'd, he'd run well, and Rick just wanted to give somebody an opportunity wow. that hadn't so had Jimmy one. Jimmy drove yeah. Tim Richmond's car. That's yeah, Charlotte. for Rick. Wow. Rick Hendricks, like, hey, here's a guy that needs He's an opportunity. An opportunity. Which is so awesome. That is so cool. Jimmy qualified fourth? Uh, fifth? Fifth. So Jimmy qualifies fifth, right? At this particular point, me and Brad are, like, over the moon. Yeah. This is the most exciting. That's it. You know, that's a chance. It's the most exciting thing ever. We cannot freaking wait to watch this race. We're up in the suite. The condo. Condo. Yep. You know, only people in there is Teresa and some of our family. It's going to be great. This is paradise. I, we just can't, you can't <laughs> imagine how much anticipation there is. This is the, he is sitting there about to watch his dad realize his dream of being in a competitive car. He's already showcased he has the speed. And that's my dream too, right? As your, right. As, your, as, your, as, your, as his son, that's all I want. It's going to be in a, yeah. that opportunity. Yep. So the race starts and eight, four, five, ten laps go by. And they had somebody... I, like dad I, fell back yeah. a little bit. He wanted to he, like, he wanted to be a little bit conservative yep. and take care of his equipment and you know. So he's like and race tenth, fifteenth, or whatever. My dad's back there. There, I think it's Derek Cope. I think it is Derek Cope that triggered this accident. And I'm talking fifteen cars. Oh yeah, crash into this accident. And Jimmy uh, destroyed the front end of his car. And me and Brad sat there and that's at that. No one else. Now think about it. No one else in this condo. Is trigger is plugged into this moment like we are. No one else is a Jimmy Means fan in this condo. They, they didn't like. They didn't dislike Jimmy, but it was like you know, no they, big deal. They weren't no they relationship. Weren't, right. They weren't clued into yeah. what was happening. So, yeah. me and Brad are sitting at the front couch, right against the glass, sitting there bawling our eyes out. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, it was oh, like yeah. it's traumatic. That's sad. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Wow. That was the opportunity. Was so Derek Coke triggered a wreck that that, that collected Jimmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your dad. They let and that was early in the race? It was very early. Like way too early. Oh, 10 laps, 15 laps in. And it, it was over. I was so heartbroken, and we knew that, you know, more than likely that Jimmy wasn't going to get another opportunity like that. Yeah. Jimmy goes back, and he gets uh, you got an Alka-Seltzer deal. That yeah, was pretty cool. Fall, Those yeah. are some good years. That light My favorite car, car yeah. that Jimmy drove was actually the Eureka car, and I designed my street stock that I ran. My first ever race car, my street stock, is the same paint scheme. Really? I had to, red and flat black hood. Yeah. I couldn't get the red red, so I had a poppy red orange car, but the black hood that was and the white numbers. Oh yeah, the white numbers red so that car was, black hood. That was a not, and we had Hardy's on the hood, but we angled it just, just like, like Eureka. Yeah. <laughs> he, had Eureka. he had the Eureka vacuum cleaner sponsorship, so I angled the Hardy's on my hood just like that and everything, and it was a nod to Jimmy's Eureka car. The Eureka car that Jimmy drove was in the eighty seven eighty six season. I'm, my street stock's 1990, 1991, so this is like a, you know, he's already moved on to another paint scheme, but I just love that car. I just thought, man, Black Hood, that's, that's, that's badass. Yeah. You know, that's outlaw. Yeah. You know, <laughs> my car is painted, but my hood's black. Yeah. So. A little rebellious. Yeah. yeah. Me and him would draw 
he said it. We would draw race cars all the time. Mm -hmm. We would talk about this is the bad. This would be the baddest paint scheme because this sponsor would be so cool. And I, if I could do, if we could get this sponsor, this would be a cool way to design it. We did that. That's what we, we did. did that all day long, all weekend long. He actually, uh, they got the Alka Seltzer sponsorship in 1989. Mm -hmm. 89. He designed the car for his dad. Really? And how Just old? Uh, 12, 13. Yeah. So that's a great looking car. Yeah. 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 It was just simple. Like the, all the like their graphics department, you know, they designed like really busy, yeah. like complicated paint schemes. And I'm like, Dad, that just doesn't look good. That won't look good. So I says, what do you think? So I, I drew up some stuff and I gave it to them and that's what they went with. And I would do that all the time. Dad had people looking for sponsors and That's the car I, I, I place Jimmy Means when I think Jimmy oh, Means. For sure. That's the car that that's, I yeah. think about. That's for sure. So his, his dad's always chasing sponsors just like we are today. Yeah. And he would draw all the cars for the proposals. Oh wow! And they'd submit them because there was—I mean—it was a lot. It was a lot less technical than it was. You're one of the original marketers, NASCAR yeah, marketers. Sam yeah, Bass. That's right. Sam Bass. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> so let's bring this full circle. And, and uh, when we started our fantasy football team a couple oh, yeah. of years back, he called his fantasy foot team "Smut Means Business." Awesome. Smut means oh, yeah. business. Uh, yeah. Smut means business, and it was my logo was that was number fifty two. Yeah, that that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and then Junior know. cheated, and I didn't win the that's championship. <laughs> I find it hard to believe. Yeah. I so, thought this was coming full circle when Derek Cope wrecked y'all, and that had to do with the laptop that <laughs> busted. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> actually, that yeah. Derek Cope's crash was eighty six. The Derek Cope wreck was eighty seven. Oh, okay. I got gotcha. you. And the this laptop was, like 90, was 91. 91, 90. Hey, did you nope. guys ever like go to like when Dale Earnhardt would win a race and you guys were there? Would you go to Victory Lane ever? That was the uh, that's a really cool story for me. North Wilkesboro, we were hanging out all weekend. Uh, first race with the radial tire. Oh, oh wow! Black, the really? first uh, maybe the first win for Dad in the black car. It could I, I think it could <laughs> be? Yeah. And there's like there's a couple pictures. Well, there's a lot of pictures, obviously, in the Victory Lane. Like, and I, I went there that we were hanging out all weekend. That was one of our favorite tracks yeah. to go to because it's close to home, right? So you would most time always go to that race. And we'd wreak havoc in the uh, driver's lounge and everywhere because it was, like, small, and that was, that was home for us. Dale happened to win, and uh, Junior's like, let's go, Victory Lane. Because, you know, it's on top, elevator. So I go up there, and I, I'm in the back corner out of the way because I'm just privileged to be there, you know what I mean? And we were hanging out, and I think that's so awesome. And uh, – Junior had this big trucker hat on my dad's own. That's <laughs> the they car. Yeah, they weren't cool like they were today, you know. And uh, like, and I remember standing in the corner and they do all the hat dance and all the woo faces for all the pictures. And Junior would not take the hat off. He so in every picture <laughs> that you see from that race, the cover of Winston Cup scene, everybody's got they're, they're all kneeling number one. Junior's got the my dad's hat on. So that's neat. That's a really cool story for me. And after that, all the celebrations over. They got the big fake check. Yeah, and I got yeah. to carry that down. And they got so awesome. You know what yeah. I mean? So. It's that's a really cool memory for neat. me. That is neat. You know, we we hear a lot of fun stories like him, you know, stealing some change out of his dad's jar and in, in the house and all that. But y'all hung hung out together and and got into some mischief. I'm sure when you were kids. You know, I heard you guys, you know, talking about going go kart racing. Mm -hmm. uh, any really cool fun stories uh, out of that? Like a uh, you know Talladega, Dale mentioned we'd go there a lot for whatever reason. It was close. Yeah, semi close to the uh, track and. It was a it was a cool track. They would wet one corner down and have like fast Slick carts it. and like they have like fast carts and normal carts. So we're in Talladega and uh, we go in the driver, you know, go in the, the lounge of the three truck and Junior asks his dad, to, you know, for some money to go ride go karts and uh, like we all had like twenty bucks and Senior gives Junior a hundred bucks, you mm -hmm. know. 
Oh, and I guess yeah. it's on, you know. So we're going <laughs> jackpot. Yeah, so, so Junior's buying the fast ones. So we're buying, you know, we're like being, a, you know, economic minded, you know, getting the slow ones. <laughs> they're five dollars a piece, and the fast ones ten dollars a piece. And we'd also take because it got sandy and like dirty at this track, and you get grit in your eyes, and you couldn't see. Yeah, you know, so that would we'd take actual bubble goggles from our dads yes. and wow. wear them that is so, so we could neat. see because it was serious go-karts were serious for us you know our whole group would go there we we wanted to win you know even though like for leisure go-karts that's what we did so we go back the next day we'd spend all our money junior spent his hundred uh <laughs> and senior expected to have change back and <laughs> there, was no, there was no change to give so. <laughs> he's a racer he should, yeah. he should apparently know. dad doesn't know how expensive go-karts <laughs> yeah. are especially I mean, the fast ones i mean he needs yeah. to know hey, money by speed baby <laughs> right, yeah. i mean we were a, we'd spend that hundred dollars riding go karts in, in a couple yeah. hours, you know, yeah, it'd be going but, quick. That's yeah. hilarious. You spend all you got, just like yeah. racing, right? You spend all you have. I wonder. It's such a different dynamic. Like I wonder, like the drivers' kids, the ones that are around. You know, I don't know how many there are that have ten and twelve and teenagers, but like if they kind of run in a pack at the tracks, kind of like you guys did back in the day. I think they do. I think it's all it's a lot different. It's just you know, so I mean? different, right? I mean, it's more organized. But I think you know, as far as MRO and a lot of the great things that's come come along through those guys, that they have the same type of thing, right? But it's not way less free than what we had you it's know. less six-pack less ragtag and yeah. oh yeah less six-pack our dads would tell you that they worked on the cars ever since they got once they threw the passy out that they were actually yeah. wrenching on the cars <laughs> with their dads yeah that's what they would right. you believe yeah. right well they were yeah. running around eating bologna sandwiches and being idiots just like we were yeah and the, like the funny thing is, you know, at that time, you know, like they have miners passes and all that. Yeah. Now we couldn't get passes. I don't know how many times you rode the floorboard covered up with rags to get in racetracks, but yeah. I did that a lot. You know, well, yeah, we still do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Because I was like, because you at one time you could be twelve. Yeah. You know, and under, and you know, get in like for free or whatever, and not to pay or get a pass, or whatever. And I was like the tallest twelve-year-old ever because I was, <laughs> he's just twelve, he's twelve. Or if I wasn't hiding right, under rags right. in the floorboard, get a mustache. But yeah, it does. And <laughs> my it, parents used to ask me to squat when we went to the ticket booth. Yeah, because then they'd say and order do the same thing. So we had to pull in here and drop something off, you know, in our car and open the trunk up, and I'd dive out the door and go into the trailer, you know, just. I, that's I bet fun. you guys know every nook and cranny of every racetrack that you – I mean, you guys have – talk about kids exploring and going through the neighborhoods and finding a hole and kind of going in the – you guys probably know stuff about racetracks that nobody – that people that work at the racetracks don't even we know. Did, we did for then, back then for sure. It was, it was so much fun. Like what said, was your favorite? It's hard to be – like for me, Bristol and North Wilkesboro as a kid, they're, they're my two favorites because yeah. Bristol at that time, the asphalt with yeah. the, like the light – we'd go sit on the bank after a cup qualifying – to watch the bush race on the hill and to see the like the light reflect off the black on the, asphalt. The, yeah, so it was this, awesome. He says on the hill, this was before they put the grandstands all the way around. Right. And off of turn two, you could sit on this grassy hill and actually watch the race. And a lot of the teams would go up there. Cup guys would go up there after, you know, after cup qualifying and they were done. Um, Cause there are no they, tunnels. Yeah. They, you had to get out. Yeah. You had to get you'd out. Walk, you'd leave the track. Cause if you didn't leave then you were trapped during the Xfinity race, you couldn't get out. So yeah, that was, was um, great. Yeah, Bristol was great because it's small. It's small, and we, you know, trying to run. Our, we would literally, I'm telling you, we'd go from corner to corner of the property. We would not. There was not some. There was not a part of the racetrack property that we did not see at some point during the weekend. The, what hill, a, what the hill on Bristol was so much fun because it's. I mean, there's so much. There's action everywhere, right? Yeah. So it's not like everybody's spread out or everybody's spread out. So it's not like they're one line together. So you can stand on that hill. And you jump up and point the other way, and everybody jumps up and looks because yeah. it's so much going on there. It's you, they lose focus, but yep. so that was, that was that was fun to do that during the cup races. Uh, all the teams had comfort coach vans, so the, it's a conversion van yeah. and um, like a fifteen passenger van that's been converted to something a little more nice. And and all a lot of the drivers had them, and they would park them. 
in the turns, there's no guardrail really between you and the racetrack. Uh, there's just like 30 feet, 20, you know, 40, 50 feet of grass, and all the you know the drivers would park their buses or their their vans over there, and we could they'd have ladders on the back and we'd climb up there and sit and watch the race and i mean you could see the drivers in there working their hands and stuff and you could watch them come through the corner and a couple guys that are disagreeing with each other for about 20 laps just beating on each other and they finally wreck in front of you they roll down the hill into the grass right next to you and you're like there i don't i don't think that it can ever get like that again but it was the best absolutely experience i mean even if i'm a 43 year old fan today that would be the way I'd want to watch a race. Yeah. It was great that's as a kid. What, that's why you're a fan today, right? Yeah. You experienced yeah. that, right? You'll kind of never be able to yeah. replicate that no, you can't. closeness. You can never go back. Intimacy that you had with. At that time, yeah. for sure. That, 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 those ages for me, that was the best time of my life yeah. as far as those experiences. Did you guys have other drivers, not your dads, that you both, both, you both liked to watch race? Uh, like I always liked Kyle. You know, Kyle Petty, I always liked him because he was like just – he was just cool. He was always cool you to did. us. Yeah, we'd see Kyle Petty because Kyle Petty used to smoke cigarettes, and he would sneak into other haulers and uh, other people's lounges and smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Why would and, he sneak in? I don't know. He's hiding from his dad. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. And like you know, uh, I saw you posted something on Twitter the other day. Like trickle was always cool. Yep. And this briefcase was with candy bars and cigarettes he did. in it. Did he so not? Always. Is that that, was, uh, that yeah. was the only thing in it, and a baby change of underwear, right? I think. But that was <laughs> what? that yeah. briefcase is like. It's like that briefcase in Pulp Fiction. You open it up, and there's a glow, and well, it's just. But it's Reese Cups underwear. Well, you need underwear, underwear, man. Everybody I mean, needs. If backup. your dick trickle after a long day of smoking, eating Reese Cups, <laughs> yeah. and sitting in race cars, and drinking gotta, beer all night, you better have freaking dry underwear to put on. <laughs> I mean, who wants to drive home in wet who underwear? Wants to have wet oh, underwear yeah. on after all that. I don't. He was a smart oh. man. Dick Trickle, gosh almighty. He'd like, and he, he'd walk, like, cause, like, as I said, and, and uh, Dale said, we just walk in the lounges like we owned them, right? And our friend uh, yeah. Scotty, his dad's a crew chief for Trickle at the time, we're in the lounge, like three of us. Like, that's where they're, they do they do work. Everything. That's, everything, yeah. right? So we're in there like it's ours, you know, in the way. So Trickle would come in there and get his coffee, like, every morning. And he had this, like, little Detroit lean stance he'd get his coffee with. Then he'd look at his briefcase, get his candy bar, to be out. To be a kid and be around those guys. Yep. Richard Petty, Bobby, all those guys when we were little was awesome. Yeah, yeah I remember Kyle's going to be mad as hell at this. I remember. <laughs> say it, say it, say it. I, don't, I think you were there. But, uh, Scotty, our buddy Scotty, he was the kind of guy that would do this. But Kyle comes in, starts smoking a cigarette, and Kyle and uh, Scotty goes, you know that every puff takes 20 seconds off your life? And Kyle goes, 20? <laughs> 60? That sounds like Kyle. And Kyle's like, shut up, kid. I don't want to hear it from you. Man, that is the, I can see it, even knowing Kyle today. Kyle, he's that so one that's going to – yeah. yeah, he don't care. No, he, Kyle don't care. Yeah, that's why he liked him because of Kyle's you know attitude. He has the same attitude today. Yeah, that's, yeah. I think that's why you liked yeah. him because he was so – A little carefree. Yeah. That is cool. That is. Kyle don't care. You know, it's, you know, you know, it's really cool, you know, just watching you guys laugh and stuff like this. You know, I had friends growing up at the racetrack and whatnot, but y'all are in your 40s now. Dad. And you're, and you're still <laughs> – yeah. we're all old. Yeah. You're still friends. Yeah. You know, that loyalty, that bond there that you have in racing with, with your friends sometimes is just unbreakable. It's just cool to see people yeah. friends that long. So you Brad know? Brad gave me his dad's uniform that he drove in that race where he drove Richmond's car. Really? Brad, I say gave. Brad Long. thinks he Long. gave it to me. 
But it's basically just mine till till Brad's ready to take it back. It's on kind of yeah. It's on a loan. I have uh, I have Jimmy's 1974 Winston Racing Series Championship helmet. So when you win the Winston Racing Series Championship yeah. regionally or nationally, you got a helmet. Was it the it, red with the white stripe? Oh yeah, one? yeah. So 74. What track? National. National. Yeah. Oh neat. So I have that. I have an old Oldsmobile Alka Seltzer race car that uh, they. Where'd you buy that car? Uh, it was a mailing car. No, sorry, it was a uh, Jackson car. Okay. It was a Jackson car. Leo Jackson, Leo Jackson, so the Skull Bandit. So they buy this car to try, you know, they, they usually better. ran Pontiacs, trying to get better. Wasn't a very good car. Didn't work out. Raced it a couple times. I think Mike Wallace wrecked it at Atlanta. And broke a shoulder. In it. Broke and a shoulder blade. Mm. That was in the car. The car's been sitting in this guy's fence outside for a long, long time, and I finally got my hands on it, and it's in the graveyard. So I have an old Jimmy Means car. That's the only... Alka-Seltzer car in existence. Really? That's yep. it. That's the only one and that's left. Yeah. And and you got it. It's missing some fender. A lot of, it's missing a fender and a nose. It's yeah. like the Holy Grail. And it's an Oldsmobile. You know, yeah. they ran Pontiac yeah, back that's then. That's kind of rare. It needs a front and rear clip and a frame rail. But it's, it's, you know. It's, it's Besides that, ready to yeah, race. Yeah. <laughs> it's got but a tree, it, tree going through it right now. I think that, you know, Dad gave you a, uh, for your birthday, uh, that uh, uh, open face Alka-Seltzer helmet. Dang, yeah, yeah, I got so. an Alka-Seltzer helmet. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. And it means a lot to me because uh, Junior's, you know, affinity for my father. And uh, it makes my dad feel, you know, special that somebody, a, a junior status in our sport, looks up to him and you know, admires him. So they, they have a really good bond, and that's important yep. to me. So he'll preserve that and kind of foster that, you know. I've got a question. There was a, a moment, and you may have to refresh my memory because the details are foggy, but about five years ago, Daytona, wasn't Jimmy Means uh, your car? Because Jimmy Means is still going to the track racing. He's, racing. He's got drivers that race. They were in an early crash. Uh, was it a practice crash it was or a practice qualifying crash. crash? And Dale Jr., there with our junior motorsports cars, unloaded a backup, I believe, mm -hmm. for your guy, for your dad to be able to race. Yes, His sir. I can't even remember who Bobby was. Santos. Bobby Santos. Oh, that's right. I remember Jimmy being, like, moved to emotion oh, for, sure. for that. that. That gesture by Dale. And Dale was just like, it was almost like a instantaneous. For oh, for sure, yeah. That was like the first, like, COT-style uh, race in – February uh, for the uh, Xfinity Series for that year. So that whole year, all those, that's what ran all year, was those cars. And like that car there, it was a struggle to get it together. It was a front row uh, chassis from like dad's good friend, Bob Jenkins, gave him the chassis. And I want to think that you, he got the body parts from uh, Junior Motorsports. And then I put the body on it and it was like brand new, it was a brand new car, take it down there. Like first time on the racetrack, that a suspension part failure and totaled it. I mean, uh. Santos is lucky he didn't get hurt because he yeah. hit a ton. Mm. I mean, a ton. And at that moment, that's one of the best paying races of the year for, you know, for sure. that series. And that's, that means a lot to my, you know, my father's existence on the purse money to survive at that moment. What do you do? Cause he didn't have a backup car. And, uh, like to your point instantaneously, I forget who asked dad if he had a car and he said, no, so we got one. I think y'all were maybe running four cars there yeah. at that time. So you were Probably. like spread thin on cars. Yeah. You may have been in the race. We had four cars. So we had four backups. We had lots of cars, okay. man. I, yeah, I saw Jimmy's car crash and i saw it in the holler or the garage area and i was curious as if they had a backup and i you know was assuming they didn't and so i asked tony senior i said hey man i got i got a really this is a crazy idea man but i'd love to give jimmy one of our backups he doesn't have a car he needs to run this race at least get you know start and get the points you know, get the points and get the money this was the best paying race this is a race that he needs to be in and he's counting on that race to you know he's already budgeted his season off that race off that yeah. race and without that race you know it changes everything 
Tony Senior's like, yeah, we can make it work. We'll figure it out. So we unloaded one of their car, one of their cars, and uh, Bobby drove it. And so in this race, the tandem's kind of getting figured out. People were figuring out the tandem drafting, but I didn't want to do it. I was like, I ain't freaking doing that. I ain't racing. So I'm sitting there running, and they're like, all right, man. They're telling me where the leader is. He's a uh, leader's half a, half a lap behind you or half a lap ahead of you. Okay, no problem. We're still good. Running along, and I look in the mirror, and it's Santos. He's got, he's back there behind me, and I'm like, oh, man, look. By, uh, Jimmy's car is running pretty good. You know, that's I didn't know where they were. You know, I didn't know whether he even started and parked or what. I, yeah. You know, I didn't know what they decided to do. And uh, I told Jimmy, you know, just do whatever. He, he I said, race it. I remember I that. saw yeah. him before yeah. the race. I said, y'all just race if you want to race, man. So here he is up there, and there's about six or eight of us. And I'm 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 kind of leading this little six or eight pack, and I'm watching him, watching him, watching him in the mirror, watching him in the mirror, <laughs> watching, and he bounced off the fence, and I was like, "Hey, tell him to calm down now." <laughs> I was like, not that I was, I was like, I just wanted him to finish good, because right, yeah. right. I knew the you higher the they finished, yeah, yeah, the more yeah. money they were gonna get. I was right. like, tell him to chill out now, don't freaking wreck. <laughs> and uh, I didn't care if he crashed a car for our sake, but I I wanted Jimmy to get the best possible finish he could, and then the leaders started catching us and i was like well sh i guess if i'm gonna not go a lap down here i better start tandem drafting with some man i think i hooked up with joe Nemechek and we started yeah, going yeah. and i don't remember seeing him after that much but, but i mean actually all day 17th i think yeah like I mean, all day all the car like your your general motorsports cars and dad's car you know uh with bobby they all ran really close together yeah. yeah so it was like fun it was so much fun for me because we you know trying to do all the fuel strategy stuff together right more cars for drafting is better so like i'm on dad's pit box uh, Tony Senior's on one, Tony Junior's on one, and I'm running back and forth between the two of them, uh -huh. talking to Dad about yeah. what's you know what we're gonna do so we don't mess their plan up. You know, I mean, try yeah. to help. You know how when you're uh, you know you appreciate somebody, but you have a hard time sort of being able to articulate how yeah. much they mean to you, and yeah. you never feel like you get a chance, you know, get it clear so they know. That was the perfect opportunity to show yeah. Jimmy what he meant to me and how much I appreciated him because his whole career was inspiration to me on perseverance initiative, determination. I mean, all the things that got thrown to this guy and all the difficulties he had to battle with finances and so forth in this sport and the changes in this sport. So many things happen with little regard, really, to how it affects the teams, and especially a team like his. And he continued to work through it, and they'd figure out a way. Anyways, this was, I, this was the golden opportunity right in front of me to show Jimmy what he yeah. meant to me, or to show show him some appreciation, and that made so, the year. Because as far as that finish, and that made the year. If you you start off the, that year without the purse money, without the points, like you're, it's the year's over. For, you know, for those for those small teams, that yeah. means so much. You know, I mean, it was like that made the year for Dad for sure. Well, that's old school cool. It, yeah, that is. I wish there were Hall of Fames for moments like that, and for people that just work their butts off, just no, for for for. for not for wins, and they're not sitting there. They're just doing it because of passion, just because they love. Jimmy's still racing. You oh, guys yeah, are still so racing. Where were you this weekend? Uh, we were in Pocono, and Dad was in Iowa. They finished 19th. So, and he's still, he's still, I mean, through some My, health problems lately, he's still getting after it. He, he had a heart attack. Uh, Michigan, 
uh, didn't he t- call and tell me because he's old school. He's at a different. He's standing at a house somewhere, and I found out <laughs> hey, at the racetrack next morning. And, 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 and what did he say when you talked to him? Go find me some tires. I, like, I need help. <laughs> that's what he wanted. Yeah, don't come see me. Go find me some Incredible. tires. Incredible. That's just yeah. that's, what, that's what you know. We we grew up racing, and we're racers. That's what we do. You don't know anything else. You get you're lost without some connection to it. I feel like that I would be. You know. Yeah. I don't know what you know. You've seen this year with not being in a car, but you're still connected. So I think you'd always have to be connected in some way because that's definitely. Uh, Racing's a family, you know what I mean? Like, you're my oldest friend outside of any of my family members, and that hasn't changed from 12 years old to now. You know what I mean? Those people that you meet in this business, they're some wonderful people, and you never forget them, and they'll do great things for you, and you do great things for them, and it's just it's been awesome to grow up that yeah. way. Well, when you knocked over Derek Cope's laptop, you're kind of wingman for um, life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of a golden rule in NASCAR. I don't know if you knew that. but uh. Speaking <laughs> you know, like speaking to the driver's lounge things, I remember one, like at Bristol, you know, small area, we go in there. We're going to go in there one day, and uh, they're not going to let us in. They're not, the security guard, new guy, didn't know us, whatever. And he's kind of getting <laughs> a little – don't know us? He's getting a little mouthy, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> Junior looks at the guy and goes, look, look, my dad's Dale Earnhardt. His dad's Jimmy Means, and we're going in here. And <laughs> we went in there. <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know. Wow. Go, yeah, we were – yeah. That's hilarious. It's awesome. Yeah. But we – there was one little – like window, we had all these crazy ideas, and there was this one little window where we would go around wax other guys' race, other other teams' race cars. Yeah. What? Yeah. So we had, it's me, you, and Scotty started this business. We didn't make any money. We didn't get paid. Called Super Waxers, and we made stickers on little white sheets of paper. Our idea was that we were going to walk around the garage and wax everybody's car that would let us wax their race car. And then we, we would ask them if we could put our sticker on their car. And we did. Business to business deals. Business to business deals, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we went. Um, I remember going and asking um, Barry Dodson on the on, – He was 27. Yeah, Barry Dodson. Rusty Wallace. Wallace. Rusty Wallace's Kodiak car. And we're like, hey, man, can we wax y'all's car? And they're like, yeah, sure. I mean – all the car. This is in between practices. There's probably like a you know, three hour break. Every car's up on jack stands, and everybody's just you know eating a sandwich or something. And we're we're walking around waxing everybody's car, and uh, I mean just just tons of <laughs> gobbling. Just not yeah. you know terrible. We're you know 13, 14 years old. They let us put a sticker on their car. And they, back, they had the bumper cams back then, and we watched that race religiously to see if we could see find Because we put our sticker on the bumper of the 27 car. Really? Yeah. What race was this? This is Bristol, probably 1988 or 89. I night, get the logic of that, too. Night That's race. pretty good. I think it's a night race. Yeah. And so. Uh, the, the rear bumper? I don't remember. Is this going to yeah, say your dad? I'm pretty could, sure it was the rear probably bumper. Probably used it, it up, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was the only car that let us put the, put the sticker on there, but we probably waxed about a dozen cars that day. That business lasted about two or three months. <laughs> that, that's more than a lot of businesses Correct. these days yes. last. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. good. Super Waxers Incorporated was pretty good. That's that, a three-month business. LLC. NASCAR teams, LLC. Oh. NASCAR teams are terrible, terrible tippers. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't have a flat rate, so we were just hoping to get a little extra go-kart oh, yeah. no, money. Uh, all you can do for free, right? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. What a great story. I've never heard that. That's yeah. good. Super Waxers. They, here they are, the, the, the Super Waxers yeah. team. You know, there's a parking lot full of employees' cars out there. He Scotty. Scotty's around. Mike's around. Me and Mike text all the time talking about getting lunch one day. He, Mike so went, hard, Mike came it? to Moedden. So, I mean, I see some of these guys. Heidi Bodine, Brett's daughters. You know, I've talked to her. I haven't talked to her recently, but um, she was in the 
garage and running around. She's Jason one of our Jarrett. friends. Jason Jarrett's a spotter now, Dale Jarrett's son. Jason was ran, running uh, was around with us. He was little pack there. Yeah, he was part of the group. Who else? There's Barry Bodine for a little bit. Barry little, Bodine. Justin Labonte. Justin Labonte. Oh, yeah. He was yeah. a little young. But yeah. Did, just, when you got, you just brought something up, uh, Barry Bodine. Now, I don't know how Barry Bodine is, but I know that your dad and Jeff Bodine never were uh, they weren't you know, best peas friends. and carrots yeah. all the time. So did you? did that ever – Become a thing with you. Not that you guys would fight about it. No, no, not yeah, yeah, yeah. You, but the other driver's sons. Yeah. If your dad's oh, yeah, got it, it was, oh yeah, oh yeah, really? Yeah, oh yeah. There'd be a little animosity. You have to split. You know what I mean? You get back together and you split again. And it was. Just I like, say, I, I can only imagine. Like me, the friendship with the Bodines was real weird. Volatile of sorts. Yeah, we thought. I mean, you know, we thought that they were arrogant. They probably thought we were arrogant. Me, not we. Yeah. But. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so I—I I mean, it was weird. I, you know, there were times when our dads were crashing each other. We didn't know how to interact yeah, with each like, other, yeah. and yeah, You're both bullheaded. Well, we just were kids, and we're like mad at our—we're mad at each other's dads, and then that so that made communicating for us real challenging. But to, we're way—we're way over it today. That's yeah, I, te I text with Barry every once in a while, but God, you know, there were other kids that we would run into or that would become part of the group. And then they would, you know, fall away. They'd fall away or do something or get girl crazy or whatever. And uh, me and Brad never did really get girl crazy too. We're no, we're. It's always the kind of like we, we were, were late bloomers on that end. Yeah, for sure. We were too goofy. <laughs> yeah, we were like like total dorks. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We were not very popular. We had no game. <laughs> we had no game. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, and also outside of the racing side, I think you know we had a lot of uh, like common. I think we were a lot more similar. I think like personality wise and all we cared about was race cars and paint schemes and you know just being in the garage and talking about racing i mean we didn't care about i think mike whitcomb was the one that got he first was one to crazy. get girl crazy yeah. i remember when we were uh, like like when mike was 16 you know he's like oh we're gonna go we're gonna go take this girl to domino's i'm like man we go hang out what the hell you mean to take this girl to Domino's, man? We're was, going to go kart track. Was it a driver's daughter? Like who had the no, hottest no. daughters? No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't marry anybody having any hot daughters. Do you? That's we'll, we'll save that one for later. <laughs> okay. That's a private podcast. I think it's pretty. I don't remember any. Like uh, Mark had. They had the. Uh, that daughters. Oh, all right. Mark yeah, he, liked, he thought Mark Mark's daughters were pretty hot. <laughs> yeah. I did. I mean, you know, for me, they're yeah. a little bit older, I think. You know, I was like a dork, so it was, you know, it wasn't hard to upgrade <laughs> yeah. for me. <laughs> we were dorks. You weren't putting the full court press on no, Mark no, Mark's I, daughters. No, I was saying. not. I was yeah. not. We were dorks, and we were, we were good with it. I hear you. Well, cool. Dude, this was fun. Yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. Dale Jr. has been wanting to get you on the download. You were up the top oh, five. Uh, awesome. You were a wish list. The only bad part about it is, is that we'll walk out of this room in five minutes and think of all these other great stories <laughs> that we could have told. Hey, guess what? You know the person that hosts the show, Dale. You okay. can bring him back anytime you want. Yep. And you can. Brad can chime in on social media. We'll, you know, fans are going to ask questions. So we. Brad means 92. Yes, sir. Add you means racing. As on, means on uh, Twitter and, and Jimmy means racing. And Jimmy means racing. Yep. Any questions and you know comments? Oh, we got whatever. one more. All right. Oh, so the light bulb went off. Last. This is the last story. We both raced. So Brad drove. Oh, some. this is a great one. Yeah, I and think. I drove some. Brad, some. you drove some. Yeah. So I drove yeah, some. Drove <laughs> we both have raced. I drove some, and Brad has drove some. <laughs> so, gals. So. <laughs> We are, uh, Brad, we're both kind of in the middle of our, uh, you know, working our way through the ranks, trying to grind our gears and, and, and racing late models. And he's racing a limited late model at Tri-County. He's built his own car. It's a great looking race car. Really nice. And I know through my relationship with him, you know, 
you know, how much he's got in this thing. Tons of tons of effort, tons of work. He's a body man, so you know, his 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 profession today is bodies for race cars. That's what he's done his whole life. So he's got a ton of time in this thing, making this thing look pretty. And he's like, Hey man, I'm, I was like, I'm gonna come watch you. I got the weekend off from my go watch Kelly. From my racing. I'm gonna go watch Kelly and he's racing in the in the limited race before Kelly's in the late models. So I'm over there and he's like, Hey, I, I ain't got a spotter, man. Can you spot for me? I'm like, Yeah, I ain't never spotted before, but it can't be too hard. I'm a driver, well, you know, well. So he's starting on the outside pole or uh whatever and, and on the front row. Green flag. Is it the first lap? No, we made a we made a few. All right, so we made <laughs> made a couple good. laps. Well, there's this guy that's like looking underneath him, but he wasn't there. And so down the front straightaway, I'm like, clear. And the guy dive bombed him. Oh, just last second. And he came down, and and the guy turned Brad, and another car hit Brad in the front, and knocked the whole front off the car, mm. and it's over. That's mm. it. Yeah. And he bring you know I mean Brad's like, God, you know, damn it, you know my car, oh. And All this work, and Dale's devastated because he bet. felt like his, you know, I mean, I it know. wasn't his fault, you know. Yeah. And the, I remember like, like vividly this because the guy, I was so mad because the guy just run all over me. Yeah. And he ran, he got me in the left rear, ran through me, and jumped over me, like over like my. That's right. He drove over, over the hood, and I'll never forget sitting there watching as I'm mad, right, uh, throwing out expletives as he's clearing the top of me, and I remember seeing his drive shaft spinning. Oh, my gosh. Because he's still in the gas, you know what I mean? And like, oh, jeez. And, like, he lands Weapon. and takes another guy out after clearing me, and that guy ran after him with a tire pole from his trailer. He was hot because <laughs> wow. he ran through me and took him out. And Junior's devastated because, you know, felt like he got me in a wreck. And then after that, you know, uh, he's running late models. He had, a little, like, a little, I think, a sponsor deal for bodies and stuff. Like, I made my bodies because they were sheet metal at that time, but – the hoods were fiberglass, and you couldn't make those. And I killed my hood, which is a big deal because you had to buy that part. Yeah, I couldn't make it. 500 1500 bucks or something. So uh, Junior had an extra one, so we drove to Mooresville and he gave me a hood from my, from my late model. So that was that was cool. That didn't even feel like enough. Nah, I, mean, I bet. I know you. I know. That, I like, he would have been devastated over like, that. man, I got a hood. I'll give you a hood. He can make the rest. And I knew he wouldn't. Even if I gave him the fenders and stuff for a body, he would just make his own. Oh, and, okay. And because uh, they're he can make them better, and that's that's what that's how I that's how I you know survived racing at that time was be, I built my own cars. I liked it. I mean, I was I had like an affinity for building things, and it kind of came easy to me. So uh, that's how I got into the body world, and I've done it you know ever since. So yeah. who you you works at RCR now? I work at R, R, RCR, and uh, I do like R and D, wind tunnel, track support, anything related to the bodies. I'm a part I'm a part of, and get to be a part of. So it's pretty special to be there. You know, 30 years later, working on a three-car. It's and pretty Jimmy, amazing. Jimmy races Xfinity Series as a car owner. His driver's David Starr. And they're doing pretty well. They're I mean, they're overachieving for their budget for they're, sure. They're definitely having a good season comparable to the last few years. You think he's improved in performance. So, good. David Starr's doing a great job. And it's, uh, He's a super nice guy. and you know, He's a great uh, guy. It's great. You know I mean? Like, it's, it's family. So, our schedules are really busy. So, the companion races, I'll see Dad. Not a lot because, you know, we're engaged in what we're doing. He is too. But I'll see him doing the uh, – the tire dance, trying to get tires from all the cup guys. <laughs> so he'll pass me and I'm like, hey, if you see so-and-so, see if he's got anything. So I'll text my tire guys and yeah. and whatnot to help dad out at the track. So it's, it's you're fun. You're still doing, all the, you know, you're still trying to scrounge up stuff. To oh, help for sure. Dad, yeah. After all these years, which that's neat, man. You look at the dictionary uh, dictionary for a definition of racer, man. Uh, now, yeah. I think Jimmy Means now. that That's a racer right there. Smut. And you guys are all part of that. Yes, do, do we want to know how he got the name It's Smut? a It's a uh, – Smoky Eunuch, obviously, you know, a legendary uh, yeah, car builder. Chief, yeah. Uh, he, there was, I guess he wrote a book 
of and about how to build a 302 Chevrolet, I think. And Dad was running short track races, uh, short track at, at uh, Huntsville, Nashville, and Birmingham. And uh, Dad read this book, and he was successful, you know, in yeah. things that he did, and he kind of modeled himself after some of the things that Smokey did. And I guess it was like in. There's also another story. He, when he was younger, he helped some other guy racing, uh, and helped change headers and got all dirty and tailpipes, and he's all you know sooted up from all the uh, exhaust d- dirt. Yeah. And so fast forward to the uh, Smoky Unit references, and I guess they said there'd never be another Smoky, so it's called him Smut. I got Because in the short track, you know, world back then, Dad was really competitive. He had a chance to go to to Nashville and beat Daryl, and he had a chance to go to uh, Birmingham and beat uh, Allison. Red and Allison's yeah, yeah. and Neil and they couldn't really come beat him at his track, you know. Gotcha. So that was – I would love to have been in that day and race yeah. with those guys and those cars at that time would have been awesome. Me and Brad share a photo stream on our phones. That's true. We share it with a lot – there's a lot of other people in the photo stream. Me and Brad started it of our dad. And basically anybody that's in the stream can put pictures in there. But me and Brad have filled it up with Jimmy Means pictures and Dad's pictures. And there's so, there's so many pictures of Jimmy Means in the 70s when he was running Huntsville, yeah. Nashville, and all but Birmingham and all those places. And it's so cool to see that that part of his life and because and he was so competitive back then. That's very cool. Uh, Brad, thank you for being here. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks for having Thanks, me. Buddy. I love it. I, I have it. a feeling this won't be the last time. I hope not. It's a great time. I, I really reminiscing do, for I, sure. It's been enjoyable. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Let's run to an Exalta Race Center update. This is your Exalta Race Center update. I'm Matthew Dillner. You can easily rename Pocono NASCAR Weekend to the Kyle Busch Show. In Truck Series action on Saturday, Kyle Busch's number 51 drove to a dominant win. It was Busch's 51st truck win, tying him with Ron Hornaday for the most in series history. Sunday was a different story. A few different cup drivers saw their time on top, but when the date was done, it was Kyle Busch again in victory lane, notching his sixth Cup Series win of the season. The Xfinity Series had a thriller at Iowa Speedway on Saturday. Christopher Bell and Justin Allgaier got physical coming to the white flag, and Bell ended up coming out on top, scoring his third victory in a row. The Junior Motorsports Late Model Program ran North Carolina's historic Hickory Motor Speedway Saturday night, and it was JRM driver Sam Mayer who took the checkered flag. The Wisconsin driver led all 40 laps of the first feature to notch his first win with the team. Jagger Jones was JRM's top finisher in the second feature coming home fifth. Next up for the late models is the popular Cars Tour Throwback 276 at Hickory on August 4th. The Xfinity and Cup Series head to the Finger Lakes region of New York this week to do battle at Watkins Glen International. This has been your Exalta Race Center update. Exalta is the official paint partner of NASCAR, developing, manufacturing, and supplying coatings to all types of vehicles and industrial applications. For more on Exalta, please visit exaltacs.com. White flag right there, white flag. This white flag, boys, is brought to you by Dirty Mode Media on YouTube. You didn't know that Dirty Mode Media on YouTube is paid for this sponsorship, uh, this segment. But five dollars, five dollars sponsorship. It's like the, the Super Wax or LLC. Do I get like a burrito? Yeah. Subscribe to Dirty Mode Media on YouTube. Uh, by the way, Dell Jr., I want to give you props. A couple things over the weekend. One. It looked like you had fun at your Dangerous Summer concert. Uh, that looked like that was a good uh, success at Pocono. Good? Yeah, Dangerous Summer, a band that's friends of mine, punk rock band, came out and played a NASCAR race. So typically Tim Duggar or somebody like that might play uh, the show. I asked Tim, you know, hey, could I get guys out there? He said, yeah, Pocono would be a great place for that. I think it went well. I don't think the NASCAR crowd, I don't think everybody was, was punk rock fans, but I'm sure that the Dangerous Summer might have changed a few of those minds. Cool. They were there to hear some free bird, but... 
They got some punk rock. <laughs> they got some punk rock instead. That's cool. Also, I couldn't help but notice you went and hung out with those Aaron Hart boys uh, for a day. Oh, uh, yeah. Johan Senior, Johan Junior. Yeah, Jacob. Uh, that was cool. Uh, yeah, I went to a house that was built in 1803 in Emmaus, Pennsylvania, by my relatives, my dis- my family from like seven generations ago built this house. Actually, the Earnharts started Emmaus. They, they started the town of Emmaus? Yep. Okay. I thought there was just southern accent for a mess. Nope. <laughs> Emmaus? <laughs> nope. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Emmaus was created by uh, Jacob Earnhardt and another family, the Canas family. Uh, they, they both donated 50 acres of land to create the town center. Uh, I wonder okay. if that's Main Street now, and all that. now known as the Canalses. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> Well, that's cool. I, I like the pictures. I did, the text, cool. I did text Chad Canals. I said, me and, me and you could be partners. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah, really. My, yeah. <laughs> I, need to do, I need to do some homework, but be ready for some great information. If how, I'm how cool is that, though, that you're on your NASCAR weekend with NBC, man, and you get to go do something that and kind of see some family history? It was great. A buddy of mine from up that way, when I was posting on social media, I was like, hey, man, I'm I'm up in Emmaus. He, he texts me. He's like, you be cool while you up in my neck of the woods. I said, <laughs> this is actually my neck of the woods. <laughs> nice. you really want That's to know, cool. If you really want to go back a couple hundred years. All right. So, Dale <laughs> Pennsylvania. Dale He's so Ju- Dutch. Junior, uh, you and I, we're going to go uh, make a trip to the Nationwide Children's Hospital this Thursday. I've never actually been there, so I'm really looking forward to it. You've never oh, been there? Never been there. Holy crap. So we Neither will, is Alex Bowman. And he's going too. Yeah. So the best part about going to the hospital is taking people that have never been yeah. there. This yeah. makes me excited. So, so, Mike, you're about to have your world impacted like never before. I can't wait. Speaking of Nationwide Children's Hospital, this weekend is the weekend with 32 Cup drivers and all four Junior Motorsports drivers will wear Dale Jr. skeleton gloves during the race. Yeah. Each driver will sign their pair of race used gloves, and then all the gloves will go to auction on August 8th. All proceeds benefiting the Dale and Amy Earnhardt Fund at Nationwide Children's Hospital. So that's cool. Uh, I've been saying it every week. I'd like oh, to you just want to quickly thank sure. all the drivers. Thanks sure. to all the drivers for doing this. These guys are great about getting involved in each other's charitable initiatives. I'm not a driver anymore, but I appreciate them being on board and helping. Yeah. We got Dale Jr.'s book still pre-orders uh, out there. Go to DaleJr.com forward slash book. Be sure to watch Wednesday with Dale version of NASCAR America this Wednesday with special guest Martin Truex Jr. That airs at 5 p.m. Eastern on NBC Sports Network. Also, you can watch the TV version of this show, yeah. the Dale Jr. Download, Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Network. Boys, I'm done with White Flag. That's a great show, Mike. Yes, sir. Thank quick, that was a good last lap. That was nice and quick. Thank you, and thank you for making the best thing happen. Yeah. That was fun. All right, boys. Let's see you all later. See you. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.